All right, let's go ahead and get started this morning. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, pray for us first. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Uh, we adore you. We praise you. Thank you for the, the peace, the joy that you've put within our hearts. Uh, Lord, may we rightly praise you for your do all our praise. Uh, thank you for my brothers this morning. Uh, may you teach us through your word, guide us, direct us in, in being the men, the fathers, the husbands that you've called us to be. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, the, the topics that we're looking at um, for the men's ministry this year um, all center around sovereign joy. And this month, we're going to be looking at joy in our singing. Uh, some of you know my name is uh, Tom Longway. I serve on the elders board here in several areas. I serve, and one of those is uh, overseeing the music ministry. Um, I've been here uh, at Believers Fellowship starting way back in 1995, or actually 94, and I've seen the way that we worship in song change in, in many different ways, and it's kind of transformed. Uh, initially, uh, when we got here, this was the, the main worship center, and uh, there was an organ right over here, and we, we sang to the organ. Uh, that was our only accompaniment. Uh, we, sang, we sang hymns, and then I saw you know, different choruses being introduced uh, into the church. I can't say that that was received well by everybody, but anyway, saw that um, happen. And then I remember our minister of music at the time was uh, Bill Rare, and he came up to, to us one, one time when we were leading music, and he said we were going to start introducing drums. <laughs> and uh, that kind of took me by surprise. I thought um, they were going to charge the stage on us. But anyways, um, so I've seen things change a lot over the years. Um, but one thing that I've seen here at Believers Fellowship, it's, a, it's been a singing church, right? So the singing has always been uh, the main voice. Um, so we're going to talk today about joy in our singing. Uh, it's going to revolve around singing as a congregation, the church, the called out ones, uh, singing praises corporately to the Lord. We're going to talk about three things. Why we as a body of believers sing, what we as a body of believers sing, and how we as a body of believers sing. And that's all in the response to the topic of joy in our singing. Well, how would you define joy? Um, one commentator, he defines it this way, he says, Christian joy is not a giddy, superficial happiness that can be devastated by illness, economic difficulties, broken relationships, or countless other changes of circumstances and disappointments of life. Instead, it flows from the deep, unshakable confidence that God is eternally in control of every aspect of life for the good of his beloved children, a confidence rooted in the knowledge of his word, God's character, the saving work of Christ, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, divine providence, spiritual blessings, the promise of future glory, answered prayer, and Christian fellowship all cause the believer to rejoice. I thought that was a pretty good definition. Um, what about singing? What, about, what is it about singing, uh, about music? And this is what Luther had to say. Luther says this, uh, when man's natural ability is wedded, and polished to the extent that it becomes an art, then do we note with great surprise the great and perfect wisdom of God in music, which is, after all, his product and his gift. We marvel when we hear music in which one voice sings a simple melody while three, four, or five other voices play and trip lustily, lustily around the voice that sings its simple melody and adorn this simple melody wonderfully with artistic musical effects, thus reminding us of a heavenly dance where we all meet 
in a spirit of friendliness, cares, and embrace. A person who gives some thought to this and doesn't regard it, music, as a, a marvelous creation of God, <laughs> must be a clodhopper. That's not something we use all the time. Must be a clodhopper. Indeed, he does not deserve to be called a human being. He should be permitted to hear nothing but the braying of asses and the grunting of hogs. Okay, so Luther felt pretty strongly about singing about music. Uh, Spurgeon, he said this, he says, We don't sing enough, my brothers and sisters. How often do I stir you up about the matter of prayer, but perhaps I might just as recent, I might be just as earnest about the matter of praise. Do we sing as much as the birds do? Yet what have birds to sing about compared with us? Do you think we sing as much as the angels do? Yet they were never redeemed by the blood of Christ. So we're going to talk about uh, those two today. We're going to kind of marry the two, singing and joy. So the first thing we're going to talk about is why we as a body of believers sing. Firstly, as a body of believers, we can't help it, right? We've come from death into life. We've been born again, no longer slaves of sin, but slaves of righteousness. We become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. So we've been, we've been made new. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, because we have become new creations in Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we've been made new creations. Um, we have new hearts. Ezekiel 36.26-27, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. So we know from Luke uh, 6.45, from the abundance of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks, but it also sings. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but in Colossians 3.16, it says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we know that dwelling richly in the Word, according to the verse, it produces what? It produces teaching, admonishing, it produces singing. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts. Right? The corollary verses in Ephesians 5, 18-21 pretty much says the same thing. Uh, but instead of dwelling on the Word, it says, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Um, so there we see it again, dwelling uh, richly in the Word, being filled with the Spirit, it results in singing. Because the Word of Christ dwells richly within us as believers, and it's a natural overflow of the heart. So dwell means to, to live in. Um, it, it means to keep house, literally to keep things in order, or under control. Um, to be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled um, by the Word. And what are the results again? Teaching, admonishing, singing. A heart filled with the Holy Spirit, a heart in which the Word of Christ dwells, richly sings. So secondly, we sing to praise God, to exalt God. Um, God's worthy of all our praises. Uh, he's due all the glory, all the honor. Um, and as we find our enjoyment in, as we delight in God through studying and meditation on His Word, we sing praises to Him, we worship Him. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy 
because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. It is the appointed consummation. So what, is this, what does this mean? What is he saying here? Uh, it means we praise things because doing so completes our joy uh, in that thing. So maybe excitedly telling someone about that, you know, the great finish of the game we just watched or that amazing dinner that we had the night before or the breathtaking sights that maybe we saw when we were on vacation. Um, praising those things, it helps complete our joy in those things. And how much more with God? Um, praising Him who we live for, it helps complete our joy in Him. So let's take a quick look at Psalm 33. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Psalm uh, 33. And it, it gives a great outline for some of the many reasons we have for collectively singing praises to honor, worship, and exalt God. So um, Psalm 33. In verses 4, let me just read the beginning, actually. Okay. So verses 1 through 3. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. And then starting in verses uh, 4 through 5, we see his attributes being mentioned. Um, for the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. So being upright, faithful, uh, just, righteous, uh, loving kindness, um, his attributes in verse 4 and 5. In verses 6 through 9, we see his power displayed. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of the mouth of their host, he gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So we see again his power displayed. Um, okay, in the next section here, um, in verses uh, 10 through 11. Oh. Hold on, I lost it. <laughs> Okay, so verses, verses 10 through 11. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all uh, generations. So we see the, the sovereign purpose of his will. In verses 13 through 15, we see his intimate understanding of the hearts of the people. So the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits in throat, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. Um, in verses 16 through 17, we see his superiority to all others, basis of hope or deliverance. In 16, 17, the king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue and then lastly, verses 18 through 19, his special concern for those who love him. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. And these are just a few reasons uh, to praise the Lord. We praise God for who he is, for what he has done, for what he will do. We praise God for his abundant blessings, his mercy, his, uh, for his son, for the spirit. We praise the Lord for raising us from the dead, that he will not leave us, forsake us. 
uh, for the promise of heaven, that he's working all things for our good and his glory. We praise him who is due all of our praise. So out of our right theology, right, through the word comes, rises doxology. So theology, simply put, is the study of God. Doxology is the expression of praise to God. And, and one author puts it this way. He says, theology is the study of God, and it's very important. Doxology is an expression of praise to God. So the point is that all theology should ultimately lead to doxology. If theology doesn't lead to doxology, we've missed the point of theology, and you just have dead, cold orthodoxy. But if we have doxology without theology, we actually have idolatry, because it's just a random expression of praise. But it's not actually informed by the truth of who God is. God is concerned with both. He's concerned with an accurate understanding of him, and that accurate understanding of him leading to a response of praise, adoration, and worship towards him. The author of that is Shai Lin. He's a Christian rapper, right? No joke. So he, uh, so that was his explanation in his song, Doxology. Uh, Matt Boswell, he's the, the singer, the songwriter of a number of the songs we sing to. We'll sing tomorrow uh, during the worship service. Um, the two we will sing tomorrow, Lord from Sorrows Deep I Call and All My Boasts in Jesus. Right, you may have heard the song, His Mercy is More, or Behold the Wondrous Mystery. Uh, Matt's also the pastor of uh, Providence Church in Frisco, Texas. He says it this way in his book, Doxology and Theology. He says, worship should not be driven by pragmatism. And pragmatism is just an approach that assesses the truth of meaning or theories or beliefs uh, in terms of the success of the practical application. But it should be informed by the word of God. So what is he talking about here? Um, you know, if you listen to some Christian radio stations, um, you know, oftentimes you'll find songs um, that are promoted as uh, Christian songs, but they're informed very little uh, by the Word of God. Often they're very popular, um, but in content, in their theology, they're very weak. And often the songs can be very man-centered versus God-centered. Uh, you may have heard the song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, right? Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. It's pretty. It's been a pretty popular song in the past. But, you know, when you think about it, it's like we don't invite God in like he's a dinner guest or he's coming over to hang out with us and watch the game. Uh, God takes the initiative in worship. Uh, the, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit indwells all believers in Christ. Uh, often songs are just looking to promote some type of experience uh, or some type of feeling uh, of, uh, versus worship of God through his word. Uh, so a couple other quotes that Matt Boswell held, there must be a marriage between theology and doxology. Uh, Christian worship is, is built upon, shaped by, and saturated with scripture. Our doxology is informed by divine revelation. So again, we sing to exalt God. Our singing, it's not about us. It's about God. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's all about worship, right, in all we do. 1 Corinthians one thirty one. So whether you eat or you drink or in whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Worship, right, is not just singing, right? A lot of times you'll hear that. Oh, the worship today was excellent. Um, no, worship um, is not just singing. Yes, we worship in our singing, but worship is an attitude of the heart. 
we worship the Lord as we gather around the Word. On Sundays, we worship as we sing, we worship as we give, as we greet others, as we pray for one another in everything. It's an attitude of worship. So let's move on to the next. Why else do we sing? Because God and Jesus sing. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He'll rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. In Matthew 26.30 and Mark 14.26, they both speak of Jesus uh, singing a hymn of praise with his disciples at the Last Supper. And it says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Right? Well, if it's good enough for God and Jesus, it should be good enough for us too. We also sing because it's commanded. Um, we obey out of our love for God. And just looking at the Psalms, um, we see this over and over again. Psalm 911, sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the people his deeds. Psalm 30, verse 4, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Psalm 68, 32, O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God, sing praises to the Lord. Psalm 95, 1, O come, let us sing to the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Right? And there's many many more, but it says sing. Um, so a couple points. One, again, singing is not an option for the believer in Christ. It's, it's a command. Uh, sing, in the above verses that we read, is an imperative, right? What's an imperative? It's a command, right? Uh, it's the mood that normally expresses a command, an intention, an exhortation. Uh, it's the mood of volition. Our singing, it flows out of a love for God through Christ for who He is and, and what He has done. So let me ask you this question. Um, why aren't you singing at church? <laughs> why aren't you singing on Sundays, right? There's a lot of different reasons um, that we have. You know, I don't, I don't like the songs. I don't like the style that the songs are being done in. I don't, I don't feel like singing in the morning. I'm tired. Um, you know, I just want to get through the singing and get to the Word. Um, my voice is terrible and I can't carry a tune. Um, but, I've, you know, I've checked and double-checked and nowhere in the Bible is there any kind of a statement that says, you know, if my voice is terrible, I can't sing praises to the Lord. It's not in there. It just isn't. It just, the Bible says sing, 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 and we're, we're called to sing. Yeah, well, it's if it's coming from a heart of worship, it's joyful, right? It doesn't matter how it sounds to maybe our neighbor, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, good point. Uh, but you, you're not going to be able to use that one either. Um, so in the words of one of my favorite pastors, right, if this is the attitude of your heart, you need to repent of it right now. Um, God is, he's not, he's not concerned with the external. Um, he's not external concerned with the external. He's concerned with the internal. You're singing. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's for the Lord, and it's to be directed towards Him in praise. Um, so we just read through a number of the Psalms. Uh, so why the Psalms? Um, this book of Psalms, 150 books of praise, right? The Psalter, it comes from the Greek describing a song sung to the accompaniment of musical instrument. What is it about the book of Psalms? Um, Piper puts it this way. He says the Psalms give an expression, uh, and a, give expression of amazing array of emotions, and songs in themselves give expression as such. They give expression rightly, right? So that's a key, rightly giving um, expression. Um, 
as the psalmist not only expresses his emotions, but in doing so, he turns to his only hope, right? The Lord. Um, so again, there's emotion, but it's rightly directed to the Lord. And th it, this is all throughout the Psalms, and we see it all over the place. Um, in Psalm 25, 16, in, in talking about loneliness, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Um, Psalm 31, 10, in talking about sorrow, uh, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body. Also, my life is spent with sorrow. Um, regret in Psalm 38, 18. Do not forsake me, O Lord, my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to me, O Lord, my salvation. Um, delight, Psalm 1, verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Right, And it goes on and on and on. And there's examples all throughout, this, just even the Psalms, um, that kind of deal with this. Uh, we sing because uh, we can't help it. We sing to exalt God. As we study and meditate on his word, we sing because we're commanded to sing. We sing songs that give expression to our emotions, all flowing out of the knowledge of God through his word and from our hearts. Um, another reason we sing, we sing to edify one another. Uh, so we've talked about the vertical aspect of our worship, right? To exalt God. There's also a horizontal aspect to our worship as well. Uh, one person I've learned a lot from in the area of music is Bob Coughlin. He's the director of Sovereign Grace Music, and he's written a number of books, including Worship uh, Matters and True, excuse me, True Worshippers. And he's the author of uh, many of the songs that we sing here, um, including "My Soul Will Wait." It's based on Psalm 62, "Come Praise and Glorify." Right? He's written, he wrote that one as well. And he says this in, in reference to Ephesians 5, 18 through 19, which says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. He says this, um, Spirit-filled singing is to each other. Based on Ephesians 5, 19, where Paul says we're addressing one another, you'd think in a passage about singing praise to God that Paul would begin with God, and he doesn't. The first focus of our singing, Paul mentions, is not God, but one another. Colossians 3.16 fills this idea out and says that we're teaching and admonishing one another. This shows us that one of the primary aims of corporate worship is meant to be building each other up, not simply having our own personal encounter with God. Um, Keith and Kristen Getty say it this way in their book, Sing. When we sing together, we're showing how we are a congregation of living stones, our singing is an audible expression of the bonds we share, testifying of the life that lies within these stones. We are cut from the same elements of faith, united in one Lord, filled by one Spirit, bought into one church to offer praise to Him. We're being chiseled and refined through our singing, just as we are through every aspect of our lives. We're forged together through our singing together. So what happens when we sing together? It unifies us. We sing praises to him in one voice of the power of the gospel, the gospel for which we stand together. It's a mean of discipleship. We sing, we're reminded of truths and doctrines of God that build us up as believers. A singer reminds us of what God has done, uh, what he's done in our lives and the lives of our brothers and sisters. Singing keeps our eyes on eternity. Singing builds us up and shapes our thinking and helps us through the week. We're strengthened and sustained as we sing praises to God, and we're reminded of His strength working mightily in us through the Holy Spirit. And the more we sing, the more the, the truth shapes us. It encourages us. 
when we're sick, we're suffering, we're downcast, when we're persecuted. Uh, when we doubt, we're anxious, we're reminded of love and care. Uh, for us, when we sing to him, it reminds us of our sovereign watch care over us. Right? Some of the songs that we sing. In Christ alone, it says, In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my hope, my strength, my song. It's well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. He will hold me fast. When I fear my faith will fail, he will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so, he will hold me fast. Right? So singing also helps us remember the promises of God, proclaiming his truth to one another. Um, Psalm 103, verse 1 um, through 3 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's in me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not his benefits. Um, why would the psalmist write such a thing? Why would he say, forget not his benefits? Well, because oftentimes we like to hold on to the disappointments, the trials, the burdens, uh, we ne neglect to remember his benefits. We, we forget, we wander, right? In the song, Come Thou Found, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above, right? We're prone to wander, our flesh enticing us to sin. James 1, 14 through 15. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. We've been marked, though. Uh, we've been sealed as God's property. 2 Corinthians 1, uh, 21 through 22. And it's God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Right? Songs help us remember all these truths and we sing these truths to one another. Um, so there are many ways we build each other up, edify one another through corporate singing. Um, and we talked about some of those. There are many more. Uh, if you're having trouble singing in church, think about it this way. Not only are we commanded to sing, but not doing so deprives our other brothers and sisters of being edified and built up. Uh, in, a, in a lot of churches, you'll see the lights are actually dimmed and the spotlight is on the stage and those that are are leading in music. Um, you're not, you won't see that here. And one of the main reasons for that is because we need to see each other uh, when we're singing. It's not a performance. It's not about the people up on stage. It's about God and it's about edifying one another. Um, we're many that make up the body, many parts that make up the body, not one voice, um, but many. It's corporate worship. What's the most important voice or instrument during the singing portion of the worship service? It's not the drums. It's not the guitar. Uh, it's the voice of the congregation in praise to God. So lastly, uh, one other thing I want to point out, another reason why we sing is we sing to evangelize the lost. In Mark Merker's book, Corporate Worship, he says it this way, Songs of praise are tools for teaching each other God's word. When you become a church member, you also become a Sunday school teacher by opening your mouth in congregational singing. Right? When non-believers come to the church, they hear the gospel through the songs that we sing. They see, they hear something that they may have never seen or heard before. 
They see praise being sung to God. Um, they say the they see the results of old hearts um, being changed into new hearts. So those are that's why we sing. Let's talk about what do we sing. So point two on your handout, what do we sing? Uh, throughout the scriptures, we hear the term a new song a lot. It says, sing a new song unto the Lord. Uh, well, what, what's a new song and why would we want to sing it? It doesn't imply that we're singing you know, different new songs every week, right? It, that's not what it's saying. Uh, a new song is defined as a new occasion and impulse for expressing fresh praise to God. It's a song of salvation celebrating God's character singing out of a heart of thankfulness and praise to God for who He is and what He's done through His Son. Calvin said this when speaking of a new song. He says it's no common song, but a song that corresponds to the magnificence of the subject. And Hestenberg calls it a song that springs up from the heart. MacArthur says this about singing a new song. We sing a new song because we are new creations. Our music is not like the old song. It's not like the songs that are common grace songs. It's a song of joy and of praise and thanks for the gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sin, and the promise of the eternal life. So back to Colossians 3.16 and, and Ephesians 5.18 for a second. Um, in speaking of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, Colossians 3.16 again, and that's on the top of your handout. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then Ephesians 5.18 um, talks about being filled with the Spirit, addressing, that also means singing, to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So many have tried to define um, what's being spoken of in using these terms, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We spoke of the psalms already, right, taken from the Psalter. Um, the early church, uh, they sung the psalms put to music. Uh, the Greek verb from which the noun psalms comes from denotes twanging or plucking of strings, so uh, implying the accompaniment of music. So um, and a number of the psalms are split up. Uh, psalms 113 through 118 is referred to as the Egyptian Hallel. It was sung by the Israelites during Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Um, Jesus and his disciples sung Psalm 118 before leaving the upper room on the night he was betrayed. Psalms 120 through 134, they comprise what's called the Great Hallel. Um, they were songs of ascent, which the Jewish pilgrims sang on their way up to Jerusalem. The three occasions, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths. It's referred to as a, a song of ascent as Jerusalem sits on a high hill. And these psalms were sung on the way up to Jerusalem. And in Psalms 140 through 150, it's referred to as the final Hallel. Psalm 150 is mostly portrayed as the hymn of final praise. Together with the four psalms of the final Hallel, it builds the praise climax of the psalm book, where everyone and everything are to praise God um, everywhere. So the psalms often called the songbook of the early church, collection of prayers, poems, hymns. And we continue to sing the psalms, and many of the psalms we sing here are drawn directly from the psalms. What about hymns and spiritual songs? So we have a, a modern definition of hymns. It's an expression of praise to God. Uh, a hymn is a song that gives praise or honor or thanksgiving to God. right? Or we might define it as the songs that come out of the hymnal that 
you know, Lewis Brown at one point or now Andrew Montgomery lead us one to two times a month, right? So we might define hymns that way. Um, spiritual songs, uh, this term spiritual songs is more general. They might not directly praise God, but they will teach a doctrine, encourage the body, or prompt others towards love and good works. A spiritual song might express the joy of one's salvation, revel in the grace of Christ, or exult in the greatness and power of God. In short, a spiritual song can communicate a wide variety of sacred themes. So scholars, uh, they disagree to the exact meaning uh, of the three terms, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But one thing is definitely clear. God expects his people to sing, to sing in songs inspired by God's word. So what about the you know, accompaniment of uh, singing with instruments? Right? There's some churches that don't use instruments at all. They don't use instruments to accompany. Um, some say that there's not any evidence of accompaniment of instruments in the Old, Te in the Old Testament. But uh, or, Let me take that back. Some say that there's evidence of accompaniment of instruments in the Old Testament uh, of singing, but there's not such support in the New Testament. However, in Ephesians 5.18, where it says, addressing uh, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Making melody means to touch lightly, to twang or snap. It indicates plucking a string instrument. We already talked about that because that's where the word um, from psalms comes from as well. So it, it implies that there was accompaniment. Um, again, though the accompaniment of instruments is implied, it's not primary. The emphasis is always on singing. So here at Believer's Fellowship, uh, we do use instrumental accompaniment in our singing. However, it's the key instrument that we want, um, that we want to go forth is the voice uh, of the congregation to God. Everything else is just secondary. So I did want to talk really quickly, too, just about how we choose what we, you know, what we sing here at Believer's Fellowship. Um, sometimes I get questions on that. Um, we have been blessed with a, a diversity of, of teams that lead us um, in music, different types and styles from week to week. But there are a number of constants that we strive to maintain. Uh, one just being that the songs are, are theologically, scripturally strong. We, uh, we look to bring God glory. And the songs that we sing, we aim to do just that, to bring Him the glory. They're not man-centered, but God-centered. Again, the voice of the congregation is the most important instrument, and we as leaders are encouraged to, to make sure that that's the case. We also want to try to make sure that the songs are singable, right? So um, a melody is kind of the linear succession of musical, musical tones. So basically, like, can I follow along with this song? So like a melody would be... Uh, you know, like twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder where you are, you know, right? Or A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, it's the same thing, right? Or Baba, ba, Black Sheep, have you any? Well, they're all the same melody. Um, you know, so that's the, that's the melody, but also, you know, it, it also depends on the key in which the song is sung, right? So, you know, do, ra, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, and then you go up from there and up from there, right? And some people can sing way up there and some people can't, right? We've all been there before. Um, you know, a song starts, it goes really well, and then you get to the chorus of the song, and our, our voices are so high that it breaks. It sounds like we're going through puberty whale, you know, all over again. 
So, you know, we want to make sure that the songs have a melody that we can follow, that the key is in a key that we can all sing comfortably. Um, so, you know, another thing that we think about is, you know, is it a, a familiar song or not, right? If, and we have to introduce new songs from time to time, but we've tried, we want to try to do that um, gradually, <laughs> not, you know, not, not all at once. So we may introduce like one new song um, a week, and then we may try to repeat it over and over again just to get it going. Um, so, some, so also, too, you know, the way that we do songs right now, and it's not inspired, we'll sing one song, and then we'll have a little break, then we'll sing two, and then we'll sing another one, and then we'll finish out with one. That's not, it, that's not inspired. Um, but sometimes, you know, the songs that we sing are, um, you know, based on the needs of the congregation. So certain songs that I can think of, um, you know, employing at certain times, um, like He Will Hold Me Fast, maybe after the home going of a saint, um, you know, in that song it says, Raised with him to endless life, he will hold me fast till our faith is turned to sight. He will hold me fast. Um, another song is a song of lamentation. It's uh, Lord from Sorrows Deep I Call. It's based on Psalm 42. Um, it says, Oh, my soul, put your hope in God, my help, my rock, uh, my salvation. Um, let's see. I keep losing my point. <laughs> Another one is, uh, Is He Worthy? It's a song of worship. It's largely based on Revelation 5. Uh, it's the worship that takes place in the throne room of God. It's also a great song of unity. Uh, the congregation sings in unison to the questions posed. You know, do you feel the world is broken? We do. Uh, do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know the dark? Um, do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Yeah, we do. Um, so we've talked about why we sing. Uh, we've talked about what we sing. And now, lastly, we're going to finish up with how Christians uh, sing in worship. So one, we sing collectively as a church body. You know, we saw this talked about before. And in the Psalms, um, Psalm 911, sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among his people his deeds. Psalm 34, sing praises to the Lord, O you saints. Give thanks to his holy name. Uh, all, the, all the uses of the word sing in the Psalms there are in the plural, and it indicates more than one. So it's not an individual singing, it's, it's collectively singing. Uh, it's actually thought that some of the portions in the New Testament were originally hymns sung in the early church. And, and I'm not going to read both, but I'll read one of the passages. In Colossians 1, 15-20, it says, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. In him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Uh, another section of scripture um, from the New Testament that were thought to be uh, hymns sung in the early churches from uh, Philippians 2, 6-11. So you can write that one down and, and look at it later. But Colossians 1, 15-20, Philippians 2, 6-11. So we talked about it before, but 
We sing from the overflow of the heart. We looked at, at Luke 60, at Luke 6:45, right? Earlier, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, again, we can't help but worship Him. We can't help but sing praises to Him. Um, our singing is an overflow of the heart. We're new creations. As we dwell, dwell richly on the Word, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and our hearts and minds are transformed, and out comes praise. Um, we also sing with thankfulness in our hearts to God, right? Again, in Colossians 3, um, 16, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 6, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we sing out of thankfulness not only because of the many blessings we've received, namely salvation, but firstly, towards He who is the giver. We sing praise not merely for the gifts, but we sing praises to God again who is the giver. We also sing loudly with joy, with exuberance, with all our might. Psalm 45.1, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. And that word extol, it means praise enthusiastically with all your might. And here's some examples from Scripture. First Chronicles 13.18, with the arrival of the ark, it says this, And all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, with songs and lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, and with trumpets. And they were singing with all their might. Psalm 32.11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Right? So to shout, it means to cry out in joy, in exaltation. It's not a whisper but it's a raised voice. Psalm 33.3, Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Again, it implies playing with accompaniment. So a loud shout, a shout of joy, a shout of victory. Um, Psalm 47.1, Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with songs of joy. So clap your hands denotes clapping hands in, in victory or agreement. So... If you have trouble with clapping, it kind of it looks like it looks like this. <laughs> so usually when we clap, right? Um, this is a little musical interlude. I'll I'll teach you a little bit because I struggle with this myself. Um, usually when we clap, right? For songs, we clap on the the two and the four, right? So so if the song is like say, come praise and glorify. Come praise and glorify the Lord, right? But oftentimes, like myself. We often clap on the one and three. Come praise and glorify. So all that to say, if we're clapping, just kind of follow along. Not with me, probably with, uh, well, not with Didi. Somebody else anyways. Um, um, Psalm, 70, uh, Psalm 71, 23. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. Um, so that's a good question that we need to ask ourselves. Where is our, where's our joy? Um, where is our exuberance in expressing our worship to God? Uh, again, why, why might this be the case? Why might not we sing in, a, in an exuberant way? Maybe it, you know, it looks funny. <laughs> Maybe um, you know, everyone else you know, is singing okay, but man, I'm really self-conscious about the way I sing. Maybe I, I don't, I don't want to be distracting. 
Um, so I'm not, you know, suggesting that we uh, draw attention to ourselves, that we're, you know, we're distracting in and of ourselves. Um, but, you know, we need to ask ourselves why sometimes we sing as, as, if, as if it's drudgery, like we're trying to just get through it. Why do we sing without joy, without thankfulness, without exuberance? So many of us are, are fans of sports, right? Uh, football, both types, right? American and every other brand. Uh, basketball, baseball, whatever the sport, right? So the Super Bowl is happening tomorrow. Any Chiefs or 49ers or Taylor Swift fans out there? <laughs> um, if you don't get that, don't worry about it. Um, so what is your response if your team scores? Um, there's loud cheering, there's clapping, there might be singing. And it, it's not softly, um, you know, it's not, yay, team, you scored. I mean, it's loud, right? It's loud. We're, we're fully, we're, joy, we're finding joy in that moment. We're finding joy in our team. And remember we talked about that quote before, you know, that singing, that praising, it kind of completes the joy that we found in whatever it is. And in this case, you know, it's a team. But when you think about it, how much more so should it be with God? How much more should we um, be praising and, and loudly um, praising our Lord? Um, so again, um, so when our church gathers for worship, we're here to collectively worship the Lord. Uh, we've been saved by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit who guides us, who directs us, illumines us to the Word. God's in full control. He's sover sovereignly watching over us. We've been blessed with a family of God's children to worship Him together with. So why wouldn't we be singing with all our might on Sunday as we worship the Lord together? Um, here's a quote from a commentator. He says this, We want to praise God with all our might. When we gather to remember the glorious person and the work of God our Savior, who sent His Son to die for us, our minds should be so full of the reality of our great salvation, our hearts so full of the joy of our salvation, our bodies so full of the emotion of our salvation that we sing and play with all our might. Yeah. So now we're going to get to the practical part of the exam. Um, we're going to sing some praises to the Lord. Uh, the first song that we're going to sing together is um, Praise to the Lord, and the second is Joy to the World, right? We only sing it at Christmas time, but I think we should sing it more often. Uh, that quote from C.S. Lewis again, it says this, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. It's an appointed consummation. In simple terms, again, we praise the things because doing so completes our joy in that thing. <laughs> there you go. As believers in Christ, our joy is in Him and who we delight. Our praise in Him in song is an outflow of such. It completes our joy in Him. So let's sing praises with joy in our hearts to the Lord. Okay?